Non-League Wanderers is a Mainstand Musings original podcast. Enjoy! Hello and a long-awaited welcome back to the Non-League Wanderers for a very special compilation episode. I am James Brosson and as always I am joined by my my friend and trusty steed, Alex Henley. Welcome back. I suppose. Our roles have changed. <laughs> Our roles have changed. I've grown a tail. Well, this is a somewhat uh, a special occasion for us, and there is a reason why we're we're bringing back the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we have been nominated for an award. Believe it or not, uh, this isn't made up. As much as we thought it was for some time. Um, we we've sort of settled on the fact that it that it is true. We've been nominated uh, for the football content awards. We're a finalist in the best in non-league category for podcast. Uh, so we are requesting votes, I suppose. Uh, if you liked uh, the non-league wanderers podcast when it was a thing, uh, if you like us, you know we're 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 still things. Um, then you can head over to footballcontentawards.com slash 2020 dash voting. We'll put the link in places such as the description of this podcast and probably Twitter if either of us can remember the password. Um, just to let you know what sort of other uh, esteemed bodies have been nominated for such awards. <laughs> BT Sport and Lionel Messi to name but two. Going on, we've obviously got Henry Winter, the fantastic football writer, Mark Goldbridge, who has been creating content such as Cooking for Heaters, and um, Twitter legend, Deluded Brendan, and all-round meme hero, Adebayo Akinfenwa. So we're among fantastic company to be nominated for this award. It is free for you to vote. You just have to go to that website and go to the non-league part and vote for us. You can vote for everyone, I guess, if you want to, but it is possible to vote just in one category. Um, And the award ceremony, if we can manage to save up our hard-earned money, is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which would be ludicrous, is one word. And, um, yeah... Whether, whether we do go, I'd like to go. I think we'd both like to go, but it's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, we've discussed it with head office, haven't we? Um, we are looking for sponsorship. So if anyone out there does um, yeah. does happen to want to sponsor the Non-League Wonders at the, uh, at the Football Content Awards, then we're, we'll happily wear, I don't know, sponsored clothing, we might, we like could, a NASCAR driver, yeah. maybe, in the overall. We could do GoFundMe. I, th- I, think, I think there are on reflection, more worthy causes at the minute that you could donate your money to. But if, if you did yeah. want, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put it towards tickets to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But yeah, I'd be willing to wear logos, anything, you know, restaurant names, whatever. Yeah, if, maybe if, if Virgin Trains, oh no, it's not Virgin Trains anymore, is it? Avanti Trains. Avanti, yeah, that's it. Would, would happen to give us free tickets. Yeah, so yeah, we won't ask, we ask for money, but I guess this podcast... This episode specifically is for uh, a celebration of the fact that we are we are nominated. A reminder to vote, and also a reminder, as you say, that we exist. So do remember us. You know, we 
we don't want to be like the end of Back to the Future when we like disappear from a photograph. We are here, alive, and perhaps not kicking, but at least making some form of movement to indicate that we are still alive. So this is what we've got coming up for you. So we've picked. So this is half of the episodes we have recorded. So we are featuring bits from our match reports: Altrincham, Salford, Avro, Curzon Ashton, and Radcliffe, as well as you know bits from the Besses and possibly the only half-decent old boy that we did across the entire podcast series, I suppose. So thanks very much for for listening again. Welcome back. And I think I'm going to leave you in the the good and solid hands of Mr. Alex Henley about two years ago. Ticket prices getting you down. Prima Donna players making you frown. Whether it's Dan at Saturn United or watching Geertet, you'll be delighted. Join us, follow our lead. Join us and follow non-league. We finally got there, despite your phone having significant problems yeah. with the fact <laughs> it was drowning. We um, so we were following Google Maps on my at the time despicable phone. <laughs> yeah, of course, since replaced. Not <laughs> since because replaced, of that trip, no. but but um, yeah, it was it was so unresponsive because it was at least a a one inch thick sheet of water <laughs> covering it, and then uh, your jeans were were, were quite my punished. Jeans, there's some. Uh, they're all right now. Like, yes, Jesus. Um, so I was wearing um, black jeans with my white. Um, courier. To anybody not familiar with the courier, um, it's probably entirely courier people listening to this, isn't it, James? Uh, to anybody not familiar with the courier, it's Newcastle University's um, student newspaper, and we all got merch. Merch, if you will. Stash. Stash, if you will. Um, and it's a white t shirt with the sort of maroon logo. Um, maroon? Burgundy. Burgundy. Claret. Claret. I don't know. Oh, magenta, perhaps. Magenta. Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, and the white turned brown. I don't know <laughs> what patches. it was. In, in just patches. complete random patches across my body. As a sort of weird combination of rain, sweat, and I think the fact that my leather wallet was <laughs> melting. I t- my my white t-shirt just turned completely like someone had stained tea all over it. <laughs> it like they had ringworm. It was, oh, it was disgusting. I felt so dirty. Well, and I think that was made worse by what was happening to your jeans. And my jeans were admitting some... They started seeping. <laughs> so sucks. Like, like bubbles coming out of my pockets. I, the seams had started to wither and I don't even know what happened it was horrible read into this what you will but there was white foamy liquid <laughs> pouring out of your legs <laughs> it was it was and it just got worse with every step and I'd sort of wipe it down with my hands and sort of try to throw it away and next time I'd look down there was just, it'd been replaced by more it was oh god it was horrible wasn't it yeah on with part two of the non-league wanderers podcast we'd like to draw your bastard attention to this great invention come to Coeymore to make your ass sore once you've had a pint and you don't know what to do why not have a balty or a sagaloo come to Coeymore or I'll kill your cats
we kind of rolled up to the, the actual stadium, didn't go in the car park and just parked or attempted to park. <laughs> <laughs> My car handling skills leave a little to be desired. And um, basically, I'm a, I'd say four or five attempts to just park <laughs> it on a, on a pavement. Well, you, you went up onto the pavement, not at like a... Ooh. I don't even know when you call it. When the, basically, when the pavement goes down, you can drive onto it. Yeah. Didn't go on one of them, just went straight for the curb. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was brave. Ballsy. Ballsy. I'm bold. I'm yeah. a bold driver. A gutsy driver. Yeah. If you will. Um, And and we felt, boy, did we feel it. Yeah. <laughs> boy, did my neck feel that. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, a good three or four reversing and then inching forward and then reversing again. I, don't really, I can't really remember why. It's because I was at an angle and I was trying, but I was just doing it wrong and... And then the back wheel came off the curb. Yeah. Uh, I'm the back wheel came off. Um, and um, eventually, we, I, we just had to go again. Well, yeah. I got it in a place where I just went, right, sod it, I'm yeah. leaving it. We got up and realised I parked in front of someone's drive. Uh, well, virtually at yeah. someone's drive. And it was mostly on the road. And this is quite a narrow road. And everyone else's cars were basically either on the pavement or yeah. just onto the they road. They had like three quarters of their car on the, on the pavement. And we had like three quarters of the car on the road. It was a wide pavement, to be fair. Yeah, um, so we redid it. It was fine. Uh, well, then I left the engine. I got out and shut the door <laughs> yeah. and left the engine. Running. Then I, uh, I reached in to turn the engine off um, and accidentally turned it. Like, you know when you I turn it on more and it just screams at you? So it was all... It was it's a punished being, that is, isn't it? Um, so it's had a hard yeah. life. I don't deserve that kind of no. it's, it, it's put up with me. These three blokes were on the second leg, which was the leg two Altrincham. And um, they were sat down right where we chose to stood up. Uh, stood up? <laughs> where we chose to stand up. And um, they were just fascinating people, yeah, weren't one, they? One of them um, <laughs> looked exactly like Andrew Marr. <laughs> one of them looked like Greg Wallace. And then one of them, <laughs> the exact mannerisms of Jim Bowen of Bullseye fame. <laughs> We were stood. We stood in front of them for about probably a good five minutes before I completely. Cl- we weren't really talking to each other. It wasn't that we disliked each other on that particular day. It was just on a tram ride. We, you just sort of stand, don't you? Yeah. Um, so we weren't saying an awful lot. So we were listening in on their conversation, and I wasn't sure if you were or if you'd clocked who was there. But I saw. It maybe took me five minutes before I fully looked this guy in the face and went, "Jesus Christ, that is Andrew Marr." And and then I really didn't know how to tell you. I like I got my phone out. I was gonna text you. That's Andrew Ma. Then I was gonna write it in my notes and just show you it. Um, and I just thought that's a bit too obvious. And then there was like it got a bit maybe noisy at one point. I think we were maybe at a stop. And I just looked at you, caught your eye, and I just smiled. Andrew Ma. Like <laughs> you just went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, oh, they were they were absolutely there. Andrew Ma didn't say anything. Did no, he? we we also learnt later that they only had the face of Andrew Ma, but the, the body and hair and stature of uh, Jeremy of Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> very interesting. He always seemed very disgruntled about everything. And there was Greg Wallace, who was always on his phone, yeah. proper thick glasses on, uh, and then t- took him off to look at his phone. So uh, he was he was the focal point of the group, really. And then there was, then there was Jim Bowen. Whose only job was to concede things to the, to the other two. So basically, what what we what we gleaned from their conversation was because it was the Super League 
uh, grand final, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, Old Trafford. Yeah. And the tram line to Altrincham goes past Old Trafford. Um, and what these were clearly doing, we think um, that Greg and Jim had convinced Andrew, because all three of them were clearly rugby fans, that before the grand final kicked off, which was five o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, six o'clock, I think. Six o'clock, okay. They would go to the Altrincham game at three o'clock and take that in. Andrew Marr clearly hated football because he did not want to be there. Um, but the other two were having to work out how how early they'd have to leave Altrincham to get back to Old Trafford, weren't they? So they were timing um, the time between each stop. And um, basically, Jim Bowen would always say... <laughs> A time, and then Greg Wallace would say, "No, actually, I think it was whatever." And then Jim would just go, "No, yeah, you're right. You're right. Actually, you're right. I concede that. You're right. Actually." And that was all he did. He just he just conceded defeat. On we every we convinced ourselves that he got things wrong on purpose so that he could concede defeat to people. <laughs> yeah. He got to sale. He's like, "Oh, there's only one stop here between uh, between here and Altrincham. I think it's just Brooklyn." And he's like, and, and then his mate Greg Wallace goes, "Oh, the Timpley." He's like, "Oh, you're right. Yeah, there's Timpley." <laughs> Navigation roadmap between the two. Was, oh yeah, you're spotting actually. Yeah, I think you're right. There. I think you're right. <laughs> Only like working ourselves up, listening to this conversation so intently. I couldn't do anything else. I just, my life just became this conversation. As you were um, sort of sourcing, you were yeah. sourcing your burger. Um, I turned round and who was there? <laughs> Sat. Um, there was an early rugby match on. Yeah, there was. I it was. Who was playing? It was uh, Toulouse against Bath or somewhere like that. It was there you the go. Champions Cup, I think. Great memory. It's like um, a round of uh, question of sport. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, observation round. Observation round. They were sat watching, trying to watch this, trying to enjoy their drinks uh, while these kids were running about. Was Jim Bowen <laughs> and Co. Andrew Marr and Greg Wallace. Um, Andrew Mart still just sort of staring at the floor only ever moved if he needed to like push a child away Greg Wallace on his phone <laughs> yeah. Jim Bowen is looking around for someone to concede defeat to <laughs> you can go up to the bar like can I have a San Miguel oh, sorry we don't have San Miguel oh you're right you're right actually you're right actually you've only got fosters um, <laughs> probably the most exciting thing that happened in the second half I would say was Andrew Marr charging his phone with some nunchucks <laughs> <laughs> like a, the little yeah. white wee nunchuck. Yeah, well, it was weird, was it? Because he was holding this kind of power pack in his left hand and his phone in his right. And we can only assume that he was probably watching the build up to the rugby match because he had zero interest in the football. You get pacing, didn't you? Get pacing. <laughs> yeah. You just disappear for moments at a time and then you just reappear. Um, which is the complete opposite of Greg Wallace, who was so fixated on the game, he brought binoculars. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. <laughs> so he'd like take off his glasses, get his binoculars up, and he'd be watching the opposite corner flag. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> for opposite... He was so close to the pitch. <laughs> yeah. absolutely no reason for the binoculars. He was, he was pretty much on the touchline. We can, um, I mean, we can speculate, yeah. but I'm guessing that uh, Jim Bowen would be saying something like... <laughs> Oh, that's an Alfredton ball, that is. And then Greg with his binoculars going, no, 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 it's de- def- definitely altering him, definitely altering him. No, you're quite right, you're quite right, actually. I can't see that one, yeah, quite right. Um, but yeah, they left early. They did. To get to the rugby. Yeah. You've heard of Koei Noor, and now we bring you Koei Moore. It's not just an Indian at a meal for two. It's a 
pub that turns into a restaurant. So you vindaloo. Play a game of pool and then place your order. And make sure you do, because I know where your family lives and I'll kill a lot of them. Yes, that was 1-0 half-time. Decided to change position. Went to the bogs. Went to the bogs, yes. To the bogs. Long queue. Yeah, because there's only a urinal and one functioning cubicle toilet. Yeah. It's like a trough you're on. Yeah. Three along there, one in the back. So there's a there's a big old queue, but I thought it went fairly fast. It did go fast. But it was very deceptive because the first to- toilet cubicle looked like you could go in there. But it, when you went in, it was just a room full of wires. That was really, really disconcerting. Um, you mentioned that it was the kind of room you get turned into a cyberman. Yeah, I think I think if you if you actually set foot in that room rather than just looked at it, the door would shut and you would come out made of metal. Entry to non-league games is normally a very straightforward thing. You know, there's there's never any animosity between fan groups. It's not like there's any separation going on. There's not really any police presence. There's a, you know, it's it's all very much two sets of fans have turned up. Or most probably, it wasn't the case at the weekend, but most probably quite a lot of home fans have turned up and very few away fans. So everyone's just there for a good time. You're gonna get in the turnstile easy peasy. There's very rarely much of a queue. Cheap entry. In you go. Bob's your uncle. Get yourself a standing spot or a seat if you're lucky and. Enjoy the game. Didn't quite go to plan. No. Because there was two guardians of the turnstile <laughs> that were... They, they had 101 problems and zero solutions. Was, we turned up. And there were, the, there were these two men on the right-hand side, weren't there? Yeah. Who weren't being granted entry yeah. to, to the curtain stand. Well, it, was, it was a lad and his son. Yeah, it was. That's right, yeah. Um... And he was saying, oh, no, stop pot fans, round that side, round that side. He's like, well, I'm not a stop pot fan. I want to go in the home as well. Well, you're like, have you got a token? <laughs> and he's like, no. Well, said, you're, you're in there with a stop pot fan. Well, I'm not a stop pot fan. I want to go with a cursed fan. <laughs> and we, there's, there's, there's like one of them who was like definitely the brawn. Oh, yeah. He was tough lad. And then there's another one who was slightly shorter, not as stocky, but more stocky, not as like big, not yeah. as beefy. Um, Nippy. <laughs> he, was, he was the brains he was yeah. the negotiator he yeah. was the one like nah, no token no entry so we got up and we was like oh we're going to buy a ticket and then we could see that this this bloke and his and his kid weren't getting in what's going on here I thought it was a joke I don't know about you I was convinced when he was going oh you've not got a token you can't come in I was like ha 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 right okay now let me pass please I'm going to buy a ticket from the turnstile <laughs> so confused and like, no no ticket no entry stop pot fans around the corner I'm like well, we're not Stockpot fans. And then this lad, this bloke with his car, well, neither are we. <laughs> Absolute despair in his voice. Um, we just weren't letting. No. So, yeah, so tokens, as, we, as we've tokened him, yeah. uh, did not let us in that, that entrance. Approaching full time, and there's kind of stewards like hanging around. Um, and then Tokens comes along and proper orders his troops. Tokens Braun, wasn't it? Tokens Braun, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Uh, Token's brain. Token's brain didn't know where he was, but Token's yeah. brain was probably orchestrating down. it in his ear. Yeah. Because what, what tokens, I noticed Tokens, you are the saboteur. I, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but um, a couple of minutes before Token's uh, brawn turned up, a couple of the stewards near us were list, trying to listen to their walkie-talkies, and then one turned to the other and was like pointing at his walkie-talkie and going, like, 
like screwing yeah. his face up like what's he saying and the other lad was like oh, I, don't, like, I don't know shrugging his shoulders um, he was like oh, I can't hear him I can't hear him so they, they just sort of like ignored yeah. their walkie talkies and then two minutes later Tokens Braun <laughs> marches down, down and it was a proper match <laughs> Imperial match comes on in the tunnel <laughs> marches down the touchline just starts ordering them around telling like you you're not looking at the crowd and if you're watching the game you you're too near to him spread out like proper formation and the, um, yeah including one of the stewards who let us in who's the one who grabbed my bag of chips yeah um who <laughs> did not want to watch the crowd no. he was just watching the game yeah. it's the only thing he was doing and so we had a go at him and we felt quite sorry for them but he was like he was proper up for it he was like preparing them for yeah. battle <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to not- be fair there were loads of Stockport fans like not in the stand but on like the the path in front of the stand if you know what I mean yeah because they were water. waiting to celebrate yeah. full time and then get away early sort of thing so um I mean, you did the steward presence. I would say was necessary, but I mean, to have to have him coming along like that was just like it was ridiculous. So then we tried to make our way out. <laughs> Me and Jake witnessed this. James was trying to get some interviews with some people um, for journalistic interest, and um, me and Jake were just sort of lingering, um, waiting to see if if you could get hold of anyone or whatever. And then you heard some some sort of a raised voice. Being like, um, we, need to, we need to shut this place up, shut this place up. Like, What's going on like that? And like, you get, get out of there, get out of there, like that. And then I saw like a fan come and pass us. I'm like, what is going on? Tokens brains <laughs> comes past, okay? So we're just waiting, just sort of um, in between the pitch and the exit. Yeah. Further towards the exit than the pitch. It's not like we were making a, a nuisance of ourselves by being there. Um, and there was another group of fans that you were waiting to try and talk to and he just turned he just turns on the spot looks at us spies me and Jake right in the eyes and hollers over a steward just like with his arm he just like signals him to come over the steward comes over and he goes get these out <laughs> no one ever like that's all he said just three words get these out me and Jake were just like nah 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 <laughs> come on James <laughs> we're leaving so we were now stood in towards one corner flag where the entrance to the pitch was from the players' tunnel, which was where all the stewards were stood. Uh, well, some of the stewards. Um, Max and Paddy, I don't know, were just off walking yeah, about yeah, yeah. buying Probably. fish and chips. Or <laughs> but this is when we realised, I think, that a bloke stood there in the tunnel in his black jacket and his glasses. I am convinced was tokens from the Curzon Ashton. I, I am... 95% sure it was. So if you remember, if, if, if you didn't listen to this episode, go yeah. back and listen to the Curzon Ashton episode. Yeah, pause this one. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the Curzon Ashton one. Um, you'll see exactly what we mean. Not a man that we thought highly of. No. A man who ran the stewards at Curzon Ashton like a very much an authoritarian and yeah. was not very nice to the fans. No. This guy, I am convinced, was him. Yeah. Which wouldn't surprise me because I imagine they're all just from like an agency. Yeah. Because um, there was another one that I'd, I'm sure I'd seen before. And I think it was at the Salford Shrewsbury game. Yeah. Where I saw him. Yeah. Um. So this guy was stood, but he was clearly off duty. I think probably off duty. He didn't have a high vis on. Because he didn't have a high vis, and he wasn't really ordering people around that much at this game. But anyway, they were getting a bit angsty throughout the second half because people had started sitting on the walls, hadn't they? So some kids had started sitting on the wall. The, the pitch was surrounded all the way around by like a wall that was, what, three foot high? Four yeah, foot high? Like 
and some of the kids were sitting on it in the far corner where the ultras had, had rocked up. There was a, like a kid like stood on the wall, yeah. ch- chanting. Yeah, goading. Yeah, goading. And this bloke, this he started getting a little bit annoyed. He's like, we need to get people off the wall, sort of thing. And then there was a, a woman uh, came around and she was going, oh, there's someone over, there's people over there doing it as well. Like, we and need to stop them. Then they started chanting, didn't they? Then the, pl- the ultras started chanting that they were going to go on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, we're going on, on the pitch. pitch. We're going, going on, on the pitch. pitch, and and you just hear this guy just go, "No, you're fucking not. <laughs> no, you are not." Um, and uh, so he deploys his. Yeah. So he switches from because he's got his smart shoes on, like smart jeans and like barb jacket. And he was laughing and joking throughout the second yeah. half. He was seeing people he knew shaking their hands. He, he turned as this game approached its end. He turned. Uh, so ordering people over there. Yeah. Ordering. So there's about. Three stewards over there, full time came. Yeah, and celebrations, celebrations. No pitch invasion. No, no pitch invasion. But a kid, one solitary child, probably the kid that stood on the wall. Yeah, sure it was. Yeah, tokens loses his mind. Loses his mind. So demanding everyone else near him to for a radio to tell him to get this kid off the yeah. pitch. So he'd sent like two or three stewards yeah. over to that corner to stop the pitch invasion. The pitch invasion didn't materialise apart from this kid, like you say, who just sort of like stood there with his arms out. I yeah. imagine people were be like taking photos of yeah. him for like a bit of a cool like playoff picture sort of thing. He wasn't running about the pitch no, no, or anything. No. I'll go and try and get the players. Still away. very much in that corner near the stewards. But, yeah, and so and this, so this guy was going, "Well, don't just stand there. Don't just stand there because the stewards weren't yeah. doing anything." And, and like maybe someone said something like, "Oh, like it's just it's just a kid, it's just yeah. like one kid." And then that's when... That's what triggered him. That's what properly triggered him. <laughs> it starts with, with the kids. kids. It starts with the young'uns. And it starts going on about how it starts with the kids and the older ones. They think they can come on the pitch. And then yeah. like maybe two more kids came on and said, it's starting now, it's starting. I'm telling you, the older ones will follow. <laughs> um, and uh, so then there was like maybe five or six kids on the pitch. Yeah. He's like, have you got a radio? Who's got a radio? Get me a walkie-talkie. <laughs> As if he couldn't have gone over there yeah. himself. It was like one, the width of a pitch. Um, and then this one uh, solitary steward set off with a light <laughs> jog. Yeah. To, to, <laughs> um, to be fair, nothing else happened of it. But then the players started to come over to this corner. Yeah. They'd been like clapping around the fans. Yeah. And a group of older youths. Yeah, probably 18, 19. 17, 18. Yeah. yeah. Jumped over from the seating area. Because what they'd done, the way it works at Radcliffe is like there's this gated tunnel. And they open the gates in this corner to let people go, but they close the gates. So rather than having to wait like we were doing to go through these gates, these youths just jumped over and thought they were just going to cut the corner. Yeah, because you, if you if you cut the corner, which meant being on the pitch yeah. for all of maybe five, ten seconds, it meant you could cut out this gate that they'd locked and they would get away and get home or whatever. And tokens just did not take well. Oh, no. They grabbed them. Scruff of the neck. Scruff of the neck stuff. Get off the pitch. What do you think you're doing? Get off the pitch. One of these lads must have said, like, like, oh, what's the matter or something like that. And this guy, token, just grabs him. He turns him to his face and just goes, don't you swear at me. Like, so threatening and menacing. What's the point? It just doesn't make any sense. It's such a power trip that they're on. It's like, I just don't understand in their head how they don't realise that the more you treat people like that, the more they're probably going to do it. Because yeah. in these teenagers' heads, like, oh, that was funny. Do you remember when like, that yeah. guy grabbed me? Like, that's, that's how they think. They need... If they think it doesn't matter, they probably won't do it. Because the thing is, 
tokens couldn't actually do anything to that kid. No. If he'd punched him or something yeah. like that, then yeah. then he'd been in prison. Yeah. Like, this kid knows it. Yeah. He's not going to do anything. So it's just like empty threats. It's, it's worse. So, so you say, don't you swear at me. Yeah. What's what's the word? If the kid swears again, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. Yes. So, old boy for heaven. A few candidates, the most famous of which is probably George Armstrong of Arsenal fame. Played there, played over 500 games for Arsenal. Chris Basham, currently Sheffield United, born in heaven. But the man we're going to focus on is a man called Ray Wood, because he's got a slightly interesting story. Most famous for playing for Manchester United, won the league in both uh, 56 and 57 top division. But his story we want to pick up on is the 1957 FA Cup final, when he went off injured with a broken jaw to come to claim a cross. That meant, because there was no subs in those days, a fellow called Jackie Branchflower went in there. <laughs> and because there were no subs, uh, they strapped up his jaw and sent Wooden up front. And then they lost 2-1. Why Why did he not go back in goal? I guess they just thought, it's just not his jaw's just not there, you know? But surely, with a broken jaw, he's still better than Johnny Branchflower, Jackie Branchflower. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might think so. Unless Jackie Branchflower... Was actually is a goalkeeper in his, in his well, yeah. spare time. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a peculiar one. Maybe there's a rule saying once someone goes in there, they're in there. They're, 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 they're injured. They're there for life. They're there he, for has life. To, he had to start. Branchfield started the next yeah. game and got. To be fair, uh, Ray Wood left for Huddersfield like a year after because United spent like a rec- world record fee on a goalkeeper. I can't remember who it was. About three quid back then. Yeah, probably. I think it was like twenty five thousand pounds they spent on a goalkeeper. Um, so he left in fifty eight and then played like two hundred games for Huddersfield. Well, good for him, and he good for him. hailed from heaven. One month on from the Christmas party, Ronnie Beatles had made a near full recovery, club captain Irwell Gallagher had undergone successful nostril reconstruction surgery, and the catering duo of Rick Rolls and Mick Moles had been dubiously arrested by the Food Standards Agency after an anonymous tip-off about the contents of their gravy. While specials had been scheduled to play a number of games over the festive period, every home fixture at the barn was postponed due to the unplayable pitch. When it was announced that the Bessies would have to play eight games in eight consecutive days, Mick McGaffer confronts veteran groundsman Mark Lyons about the state of the pitch. Oi, Lyons, that pitch better be playable today. It's criminal that we've not had a game at the barn this year, and we're suffering for it. It's your fucking fault, you prick. Eyes! Deception! More lies! Look at the state of this pitch. It's not even got any bastard markings on. There's no chance we'll be able to play on it today. What's on your two fucking do lifts to get it ready in time? Lines! Hydration! Art lines! Right, well, I need a word with this ref so you can piss off because I need two ears to hear any fucking word he says. Look busy. He loves calling games off because after more hot dinners in that shit house of a pub he stays in. <laughs> Alright mate, you're going to make this pitch look like a snuggler table, especially with them holes in the corners. I should be alright for the game, so long as it doesn't get too cold and freeze up like Mike Ashley's bank account. <laughs> anyway, better go. Uh, I put my cards under the entry. I got about 14 times at Ram's bottom, so they're quite soggy and floppy. Like, uh, doesn't help when you drop them in your soup at the ball this morning, like uh, looking like red and yellow croutons. <laughs> I tried to eat one, but it was too big for me mouth. Like, see us. What the fuck did you say? I hope you speak properly when you're on the pitch. Aston Cabbage wears earmuffs when it's cold. 
eight days later. As is picked up two points from the eight games. The first came at home against FC Holdtown CF, when the opposition could only field three players, and the second goal draw came after Mick Gaffer ordered the snow on the pitch to be piled up in front of the goal. The fixture pile-up also resulted in a number of injuries, which led the club physician, Dr Y, to call for Mick McGaffer to take drastic action. I'm glad you came in at short notice, Gaffer. We've got seven injuries and a game at the weekend. There's no way we'll be ready in time. Oh, we can't cancel again. That ref Alan Kitchen's rinsing us for hotel bills. We're already running dry after Billy the Bastard spent New Year's on a yacht in the Maldives. He came back with skin like a leather boot and a new wife, whilst we've been freezing our bollocks off in Bessies. And that's McGaffer to you, you prick. Well, <clears throat> well, the reason I called you here is because we need to take some drastic action. I know a man that comes recommended. I heard he sorted Ramsbottom's injury crisis right out. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's sign him up. I'll send him an SMS now. Hold on, he's gone through his iMessage. Just confirmed. He'll be in first thing tomorrow morning. The next morning, a strange aroma fills the air. A combination of incense and vinegar follows an oddly dressed man around the training complex. The man heads to the room filled with the best squad, both injured and uninjured. Right lads, listen up. This is Clint the Baptist, and he's here to solve our injury crisis. It's come to my attention that there's nothing more I can do for you, so he'll help you become mentally indestructible. Sorry, it's just British gas. Whenever you're ready, Clint. The lights go off and Dr. Y turns around to see a cloud of dry ice in the doorway. Through it steps Clip the Baptist. You're yeah, right. Now, is there anyone in the room with an ankle injury? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Come to you first. Now, now don't tell me. Uh, y- your name, your name's John, Barry! Barry, Barry, yes, you're, you're right, you got, that's right, that's isn't it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's quite a long-term injury, isn't it, Barry? You've been having quite a few issues with it over the years, haven't you? Not Barry. Barry's only had a problem with the ankle since he left the handbrake off the school and he ran over him during a picnic. Gallagher's the one with a gammy ankle. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. Irwell's the one who's had a problem with his ankle, isn't he? Yeah, it's been a knuckle for a while. It's not injured at the moment, though. Feels better than it ever has done. <sighs> it, is, it is career-ending, isn't it? No, Dr. Y says I should be ready for the next game. I'll leave that with him. Now then, I could tell in your face that you've got quite a lot of pain, haven't you? Yeah. Now, now would it be right if, if I said you were quite mentally strong? Ah, yeah. I could tell in your eyes, son, that you're a very strong lad, but I could tell by looking at your arm there that it is going to have to come off, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you say, you say, uh, what's your what's your name again? What is my name? Am I injured? Well, you are in a wheelchair, so I guess so. And before I move on, take that shovel everywhere, dear son. Well, I do actually believe that you are beyond help. I'm only telling you what the doctors are telling me. Now then, you sir. Uh, what? I'm getting the word. Hernia. Oh, get him out! What's this? Oh, it's a joke, but a joke! What's he talking about? Get him out of here. It's a shout. It's a stiff one. You said he came recommended, you soft headed prick. Who was it that recommended him? Stanley Chipband didn't have a bad word to say about him. Stanley! F***ing Chipband! I should have known. He wants to see us burn. Take 
takes two to cha-cha slide. Determined to bring down Chipan, McGaffer sets about assembling his most trusted players to compile a case against the Rams' bottom manager. Right, you're probably wondering why I called you here today. Barry knows why Barry's here. Barry, Barry saw it on email. Barry's here to sign a new contract. Uh, what's going on? I thought we were here to buy barb lights. Listen up, you soft-headed prick. You're really for the same reason. To bring that bastard chip pan to justice. Uh, why us? Listen, this is a crack team, not the whole fucking cast. The chairman won't let me act until I've got hard proof against that bastard chip pan. That's where you four come in. Lovers, you're the brains. We need you to crunch the numbers and munch the cucumbers. Barry, you're the firearms expert. And more so than that, you're a mad bastard. You're also the only one in this entire club that the listeners know can drive. Aston, I don't know why you're here, but you've got a funny voice. And Donny, your ego might come in useful. And I'm not seeing anyone wield a spade like you since Mark Lyons buried a Gary Baldy biscuit underneath the penalty spot in 1991. Barry doesn't need these clans. Barry can do it all himself. Fuck off, Shoreditch. I admire your confidence, but you lose for cannon. And quite frankly, I'd trust Edward Scissorhands to be my milkman before I let you do this alone. No, I've called in a favour from an old friend, Glen Pancakes. Uh, Glen Pancakes? Pancakes? That colourblind clown who used to walk off the pitch whenever he got booked. He's not colourblind. You can only see the colour red. Each team member takes up their position, ready for Pancakes' orders. Shoreditch, get us in that door. Cadbury's, you're in an offside position. Clear and options. Lobster, you guard that door. Anyone comes near it, you let us know. Cadbury's, I want you to disable all the tripwires on the bottom of the door. Out. The rest of you aren't you looking for those documents. Careful not to wake Chippan, I hear he's a very light sleeper. Barry's found a live goose! He's got floppy ears, it's black, and it's got a waggy tail. Strangest goose Barry's ever seen. Barry, that's a robot. Stay very still and do not do anything to prevent Donny will need that spin. Well, Barry's just fed it a loaf of maggoty bread, and it don't look too happy. It don't look like it's eaten meat in three stinking days. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Will you stop fucking shouting? Keep looking. Uh, look, I found a clip the Baptist poster. Uh, he's written on that he's a magician, not a doctor. That's good, stash that. I think I've found his documents. Grab them, quickly now. It's not that fucking easy. McGaffer had found his way into Stanley Chipan's bedroom. The room was bare besides a Ray Quinn poster and a half-eaten packet of flying saucers. Chipan lay face up, sleeping. What McGaffer had seen was a ring bone. It's in his f***ing beard! Uh, excuse me? He's got a f***ing ring binder in his f***ing beard. This has to be it. I'm going in. Abort! Abort! Everyone out! Guards en route! One by one, Cadbury's lovers and Donny sprint back to the car. McGaffer pauses in the doorway. Shit! Where's Barry? He's supposed to be driving. McGaffer turns on his heels and heads back in. He finds Barry in the billiards room with a can of petrol and a box of matches. What the f*** do you think you're doing? 
Barry, 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 Barry's dead. He's burning his place to the ground within minutes. The gaffer is lost for words. Frozen to the spot. Behind him, footsteps get louder. Chip hung and caught McGuffer in the act. What the f*** do you think you're doing? So that is all we have time for, or at least as, as much as we're, we presume you're willing to tolerate from us on this special compilation episode of, of the Non-League Wanderers. Thank you very much for listening. And another reminder to vote, I suppose. Yes, please do. It takes no time at all. <laughs> yeah, because we've given you the link. What's the link again? Footballcontentawards.com slash 2020 dash voting. Don't get the slash and the dash the wrong way around because we are not responsible for where that takes you. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we will not be legally liable for, for those actions. And if you do go to prison, remember snitches get stitches. Also, remember, <laughs> kill stitcher. Slurf works. I can't remember what that stands for, but slurf works. <laughs> that was... Um, that was <laughs> well, I've listened back to the episodes, haven't I? Yeah. So we say that at the end of an episode. It's like, subscribe, like... Follow. Either rate or review. Yeah. Follow. Can't remember what the W is. Watch or WordPress. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another R there. <laughs> and... Hey. Kill Stitcher. And Kill Stitcher. Okay, yeah. And Kill Stitcher. So remember to do all that. There's always, as always, there's content on, on mainstarmusings.wordpress.com. Yeah, there is. Loads. So, read. One of the, read. Read up with one of the R's, won't it? Read. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and write. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we've been doing all of these. It's not that we've forgotten the acronym. We've been doing all of these things in the past two years. You mustn't think that we let go of our own rules. Um, yeah, do all those things. Especially Killing Stitcher, because he's still, he's still coming back. Yeah. Listen back to the previous podcasts, because they're still there. And I interviewed you for a podcast mm. a few w- months ago now, yeah. uh, the Fan Dissection podcast. Listen to that on, on Alex Henley's Burnley special. And and that's probably it for us. I guess you'll, you'll hear back from us when, obviously, we, we collect our award. No doubt. No doubt, no, no, no doubt in my mind. That we will beat Lionel Messi to the best footballer category. When we um, collect our award given to us by Robbie Keane or someone of such similar stature, no doubt. Robbie Keane on TV. I can't wait to celebrate the massive dub that will be us taking home best podcast. That's, that's, all, that's what I'll end on. Vote and help us dub. See you next time. <laughs>